0: Welcome to Teaching La Vida Loca, a podcast for world language teachers seeking inspiration, unapologetic authenticity, and guidance in centering joy and facilitating language acquisition for the people who matter most, our students. I'm your host, Annabelle. Most people call me La Maestra Loca, and I'm an educator just like you, and inspiring teachers is what I do. Hey there, welcome to episode 40 of Teaching La Vida Loca, so happy you're here, Uh, and I'm really excited to record this podcast for you this week. Um, This week I was told to go on vocal rest, (laughs) what does that even mean as a teacher, Um, because I had laryngitis from straining my voice at Sculpt. So if you didn't hear, episode um, 39 was all about my top takeaways from Sculpt, and One of them I was able to implement already this week, boom, and it was amazing. Um, But then I had to um, find a way to not use my voice very much. And so I had just done a special person interview and I thought I should really share with folks how I do those and how it took me so long to even try them. Um, I first learned about special person interviews from Bryce Hedstrom and Sabrina Jansack and Nina Barber. Um, lots of my mentors in Colorado growing up in the Denver Public Schools used special person interviews regularly and told me that I would love them, especially because I always pro- prioritized building a community first and they insisted it was a really special part of it. And um, I just worried that My I've realized now my number one concern was not being prepared for the organic conversation to lead me so far away from the target structures or the structures that we have been working on as a class that I would end up just speaking in English and the interview wouldn't be able to stay in Spanish because I wouldn't know how to keep it comprehensible and not go, out-of-bounds, as I like to call it. Out-of-bounds is the phrase I learned when I was working under Diana Noonan's leadership for any words that um, are not high-frequency but um, perhaps are needed for the conversation you're talking about, right? Um, So out-of-bounds isn't necessarily a bad thing. Out-of-bounds might be like you're doing um, a clip, you're watching a clip of uh, Las Cholitas, The Skateboarders, In Peru, and you need to use the word for skateboarding in your target language. Well, that's out of bounds. It's not necessarily high frequency, but it's absolutely what you need to be able to talk about this very compelling video, right? So, when it's not good, is when your out of bounds words surpass the amount of high frequency words you're using. So, if you're focusing on four or five high frequency words, um, three new ones and a couple of recycled ones. And all of a sudden your out-of-bounds words are like, pff, you have got seven, eight. And we need to remember everything the kids are listening to is phonetically so different from their norm. It's all new sounds. So we have to be going so slow. And targeting that high-frequency language is so important, especially things that we can do gestures with or TPR to go with it, right? But adding a ton of of out-of-bounds, that's when we lose them. I was really scared of those organic, student-led conversations, and I knew that that's what was going to happen if I started special person interviews. Um, And that feeling was real and valid, but I think as I've grown as an educator, I've realized that I am totally capable of keeping the words scaffolded and structured and inbound, but allowing those students to really lead things. So let me talk to you about how I do student, um, sorry, special person interviews. First of all, I pull up slides. Um, the slides I use are available on TPT if you're interested. Hello, this is the sponsor of this episode. This episode is brought to you by me. Go check out my TPT store. You can find these in French, Spanish, and English, special person interview and scene. Uh, Thank you for that brief commercial break. Now, um, I pull up the slides, and then I also give students a handout where they're going to take notes. There are a lot of teachers who don't um, have kids take notes during special person interviews. I always have. I'd rather have them, you know, jotting things down. I also tell my students they can doodle as they listen. They can doodle what they're hearing, um, or they can just jot down little notes to help them remember And then I just start interviewing the students with the support of the slides. The slides are like a guideline, and then we kind of like bounce in different spots from there. Um, For example, this week we had an amazing um, interview with a student who is currently um, celebrating Ramadan with his family, and the entire interview? Luckily, I had enough background knowledge and context from having had students who were Muslim and practicing Muslims and practicing, um, or and celebrating Ramadan and fasting during that time. So I had enough context that I could help keep it um, contextualized and comprehensible. But we had an amazing lesson where he taught the class all about Ramadan. And, um, talked about his favorite foods and, um, about how special it is to get together with his family and his community every night and FaceTime with his family in Saudi Arabia. Um, we had another student who we discovered was a lover of volleyball and all things volleyball and practices volleyball frequently on the weekend. We had a student this week, (laughs) we discovered has 14 bearded dragons 40 four zero cats and five dogs i was like what and we also discovered he has a twin sister and he is in uh he has a um a split family so he lives with mom dad lives in a town nearby twin sister lives with dad he lives with mom And it was so amazing because he shared all of these things and we've built this community where he feels like he can share. He has the scaffolded slides to help. He has me to help support him as well. I'm able to ask follow-up questions and write things on the whiteboard to make sure I'm understanding. Um, I don't force them to only speak in Spanish. When they want to speak in English, they ask. They say, ¿Ingles, porfa? And I'm like, of course, sí, por supuesto. Um, but they love the push to speak in Spanish. They love being in the spotlight. They get to sit in my fancy teacher chair. Now I've seen teachers with like full blown rocking chair situation, like a magical, um, lazy boy with the pull out legs and all sorts. My, I just let them sit in my teacher chair. I had one student just spin the whole entire interview. It was wildly distracting, but The kids thought it was entertaining, and everybody passed the exit quiz with flying colors at the end, so they were all listening. Um, But they also get to choose which unicorn they get to hold, because remember, I have like 29 unicorns in my classroom, and they get to choose if they want to hold Donna or Kenjina or Savannah, whichever one they want to hold, they can hold, and they get interviewed. And it's really special to be in the limelight. Now, the first time you do a special person interview... It's normal for only one or two kids to volunteer, but as the year goes on, you're going to have more and more and more volunteer, and eventually, your most quiet and shy student is going to come forward and say, can I do it? Now, if you're in a situation like me, where <clears throat> this was the second time we have done pers- Persona Especial in my class, um, I said, okay, clase, who wants to be a special person? 90% of the hands went up. I quickly stood all all of those people up and I had them play rock, paper, scissors. And if they lost, they were eliminated. They had to sit down until there were just two people left. They competed and then boom, I had my special person. It took less than 30 seconds. It was a brain break they're already used to. And it was very exciting and a fair way to find um, the persona especial. So just an idea thrown in there for you. By the way, we just said brain break. Do you think it's time? I I do. I think it's time. Time for a brain break. It's a rare occasion that I'm able to post a blog and podcast episode in the same week, but you are in luck because this is one of those weeks. In blog number, well, I don't know what blog number it is, but in Brain Breaks Part 31, so it's the 31st Brain Breaks blog I've posted, um, I shared a new brain break that I got off of Instagram. Well, a friend sent it to me, and I call it Quick Feet. Now, this was a brain break I tried years ago and didn't share with anybody because it resulted in literal... concussions (laughs) and I was like oh no but keep listening it's okay this is a modified version when my friend sent me this video on Instagram I was like Nicole that's not gonna work for my students I've tried it before it resulted in concussions and she said what in the heck were you having them do that it resulted in concussions she said watch the whole video so I watched it and the instead of people reaching for things with their hands they're quickly reaching with their foot so this has been gold in my class and everybody's obsessed um i actually played it at Skult this past weekend and it was epic um excuse me my ac just turned on i'm gonna go shut it off there's no eliminating that background noise of that ac sound so it's gone now and i'll get really hot in louisiana for the rest of this episode okay so um i was super excited to find this modified version i played it immediately the next day at Skolt. it was epic you don't have to play with plates but i recommend getting a whole stack of paper plates or styrofoam plates papers that are styrofoam breaks easier um place the plates in a single file row and have students stand in two rows on either side of that so they're facing inwards looking at each other and the plate is in the middle of them so they might be standing about three feet apart and the plate is a foot and a half away from each of them right in in between them and then you just start rattling off commands camina corre baila dance run jump uh, has wants like everything you have tpr for or a gesture for shout those out you could shout body parts out shoulders head whatever you want in your target language they're doing all those things and then as soon as you yell plate plato in your target language they have to reach out with their foot and drag the plate in towards them before the other person does It's brilliant. It's hysterical. Go read um, the blog that I wrote on it and you can watch videos of adults doing it, kids doing it. You're going to love it. You don't have to use plates. You can use other objects. I talk about it in the blog. But here's a hot tip. You can also use this as a comprehension game. Don't call it a brain break, though. If you're using it as a game to provide more input for your students, it's not a brain break. It's a game. Um, So you could literally retell anything that you're doing from class and I did this with a special person interview um after I did my special person interview at the end of class rather than doing a boring old exit quiz I had the students stand in a row I put the plates down and then I said class A will call her um lemon drop I literally can't think (laughs) can't think of a name we'll call her lemon drop I said Class A, Lemon Drop and pretend this is all in Spanish. Lemon Drop is a girl who goes to Morris Jeff. She's in the third grade and she lives in Lakeview, New Orleans. Lemon Drop has three dogs and two cats, and all of a sudden, all of them drug their foot in with the plate because she doesn't have two cats. She has three cats. And so when they realized it was false, I quickly said, Okay, clase, hay un problema? And then they would shoot up their hands. I would say, dime, tell me, what's the problem? And then they would say, no, tiene dos gatos, tiene tres gatos, or whatever. Um, so that's a way to turn it into a listening comprehension game. But again, you can just do it as a brain break too, because brain breaks are up. There you go. Hope You love that one. I'll make sure and link um, the blog to the show notes, so go and check out those videos because that's an important piece of it and you'll understand it better. Uh, I call that one Quick Feet because sometimes I'm not going to play with um, plates and I'll play with a cup or a marker or whatever. Um, so, yes, special person interviews are fab. I wanted to give you some follow up activities that I always do um, with. Uh, special person interviews. And the first is a write and discuss. If you're not familiar with what write and discuss is, my friend Keith Tota did a blog recently on it, so I'll link it. But um, write and discuss is a fabulous way for students um, to immediately connect the literacy of what they've been listening to all class to the, um, sorry, the auditory of what they've been listening to, to the literacy. So it, basically what you do is, Let's say you did a special person interview like I did. You, at the end of class, you pull up a Word document. You can type it. Um, you can pull up a dot camera and you can write it. You can write it on your whiteboard. Take your pick. And um, I personally, now that I'm teaching elementary, don't have them write with me every time. But I was teaching ele- or middle school, I had them write with me every single time we did a write and discuss. And they just write as I write. And as I'm writing, I ask questions to clarify. I say, Classe, does, we'll call this person. Centel. Does Centel have 50 bearded dragons? No, Centel has 14 bearded dragons. Oh, okay, good. Centel has 14, 14, say, and then, boom, I'm spelling as I'm writing. So they're seeing me writing. They're hearing the letters. That's how they learn letters. That's how they acquire the letter names. And they're writing along with me. Now, sometimes I do have my third graders and fourth graders write with me, but I have to write a whole lot less. Or, alternatively, I have them write with me, and they know anytime anything is highlighted or... Um, in my class, where I have colorblind kiddos, anytime anything is uh, um, italicized, then they don't have to um, write with me. They're just watching. Um, so if it's slanty, they just they just watch and listen. If it's regular text, then they write. Um, I also modify my write and discusses for my uh, many of my students with IEPs. Um, I the words that I underline are the only words they are responsible for writing. Um, So that's one of the modifications I do. So um, just to make it more accommodating. Okay, um, what's next? Okay, so that's one extension. Um, Once you have those write and discusses, it's a really fun way to like bring that back later in the year or compare it to another student later in the year. You can have them sequence the two. Um, Another extension that I love doing is... um, Uh, Having them compare to another student, similar to what I was just talking about, but it doesn't have to be another student, um, a random student. You can literally use the story from another class, right? So if you're doing the write and discusses for all seven of your classes, in my case, I printed them all. And then I got kids in groups of three on Thursday, and I gave them three different stories. It might have been the story of the person in their class. In fact, in my lower groups, I made sure that was one of the stories. Um, And then uh, a story of somebody in seventh period, and then a story of somebody in fifth period. And then they had to go through, and they did the stoplight reading activity, which I'm not going to talk about in this episode, but if you're interested, I have a blog on it. Um, They highlight what they understand in green, what they think they understand in yellow, what they don't understand in pink, and then um, they found connections and comparisons between them, and then they filled out a double bubble, which is like a Venn diagram that just allows you to do it in a different way, Um, and that was a way for me to rest my voice, but them still get lots of input, them to be collaborating to check for comprehension amongst each other, and to support each other through that reading. It was amazing. It was awesome. Um, you can also do blockets or gim kits with students related to that student. Right? It's a way more fun way to, than just like a handwritten exit quiz. Not saying that the handwritten exit quiz isn't a bad, isn't a good idea. It's a great idea. I also love collecting their little notes pages. Some of them who doodle. It's really fun to put those up in the hall, um, and just kind of showcase the student of the week for all the different classes. So if you have a bulletin board outside your classroom, that's a great use of that. But yeah, I'm really um, I'm really glad that I finally gave in and tried special person interviews. Um, again, it was something that I really wasn't sure whether I felt comfortable doing and I was worried about not getting to everybody in class and I'm still, that's a very real thing. Like I would need to be doing these every day for the rest of the year in order to get every child and I won't be able to do that. And that just has to be okay. Um, because they're still really engaged. And we learn something new about each other every time. And even best friends are like, what? You never told me that. And it's it's really, really special. And um, it's special that kids are being vulnerable and sharing so much about who they are and what makes them unique. And um, yeah, anyways, it's special. I hope you try it. Huge community builder. Uh, if you already do special person interviews and you have an extension that you'd like to share or maybe a question that you love to ask um, in your special person interviews, I'd love to hear it. Mine, um, I, uh, pets are always huge. Um, subjects in school, um, like favorite subject, least favorite subject. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? I love that special person interviews can also be modified if you're teaching upper levels like if you could have lunch with one person in the world who would it be and why um and those go into c clauses right si pudiera comer almuerzo con cualquier persona quien sería right um so cool so cool anyways i love them i hope that you will give them a try if you want support and a resource for that go ahead over to my tpt um, and look for the special person interview again. Those are in English, Spanish, and French. And that's it. Until next time, I'll be teaching La Vida Loca, and I am sure you will be too. Take care, teacher. Bye bye. Hey there, teach. Hi there, teacher. Hey, my friend. Um, Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Please, please, please continue to share it with friends. In fact, take a screenshot right now. Post it to your social media. Tag me. Let people know what you're listening to on your way to work or while you're gardening or while you're exercising in the gym. I'm so grateful for you. I wanted to read a review from a listener um, and it meant so much to me. I love when I get to sit down and read some of your reviews. Here goes. Chiara, who is an Italian teacher and an incredible human, actually part of my Familia Loca PLC, said, Teaching La Vida Loca is the best podcast for active world language teachers. La Maestra Loca, a.k.a. Annabelle, brightens up my day with her enthusiasm and authentic self. I listen to her anytime I need a good idea or a pick-me-up. I recommend her podcast to all the world language and, as a matter of fact, non-world language teachers Whoop whoop, that are and want to be more energetic and fun in their classroom. Thank you, Kiara, and thank you to all of you who have taken the time to rate the podcast, share the podcast, post on social. It means so much to me. Really, you have no idea how much it means, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.